This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. The process of conceiving a child is nothing short of a miracle. When is the best time to get pregnant, and what exactly is happening within the body to make it possible? I'm Dr. Susanna Park, a fertility specialist with the San Diego Fertility Center and a Scripps-affiliated physician, and today we're talking about getting pregnant, ovulation, fertilization, and implantation. This is Preggy Pals, episode 51. Um, is that a plus sign? Pink or blue? Hospital or home birth? What type of food should I be eating? I think I just peed myself. I'm pregnant and I have to exercise. What pregnancy glow? Wait, was that a contraction? (laughs) Gotta make these pants fit. I've got kinkles. What do you mean there's more than one? You've got the symptoms and now you've got the support you need for a happy nine months. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online on-the-go support group for expecting parents and those hoping to become pregnant. I'm your host, Sunny Galt. Okay, the countdown has begun. We have less than one week for you to get your tickets online to the Your Natural Baby Fair on April 27th. It's right here in San Diego. Visit yournaturalbabyfair.com and use promo code MOMMEDIA for 15% off. We will also have a booth at the event, and we will be broadcasting live video interviews and demonstrations. So if you don't live in the area, please visit the FAIR website and learn how you can watch it live. And a special thanks goes out to all of the members of the Preggy Pals Club. Our club members get all of our archived episodes, bonus content after each new show, plus special giveaways and discounts. You'll also get a free subscription to Pregnancy Magazine. Be sure to download the latest issue of Pregnancy Magazine to check out our full page ad. And you can visit our website, preggypals.com, for more information on our members program. Just a couple more announcements for First of all, my lovely voice that many of you guys are like, what is going on with Sunny today? Well, my little toddler, bless his soul, was out on the playground, caught some sort of bug, and of course, I was taking care of him, trying to nurse him back to health, and in the process, I caught something too. So um, you should see us here in the studio. I'm like as far away as I can be from Nikki (laughs) and from Dr. Park so I don't get them sick. Um, So anyways, that's what's up with my voice. I'm not trying to sound sexy. This is not my Catherine Hepburn imitation or anything. This is just um, me being a mommy. Um, And speaking of being a mommy, I do have another announcement to make. And I swear I did not plan this with today's episode. But my husband and I just found out that we are pregnant with our third baby. We're very excited about this. Some of you guys know from listening to the show that with our first baby, we had some fertility issues. Uh, We had a hard time getting pregnant and got pregnant really easily with number two and again with number three. So hopefully that gives you guys some hope out there for those of you that are still trying to become pregnant. Um, The body does recognize it and sometimes it's easier in the future. So with that being said, we have Nikki here in the studio joining us. So Nikki, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Uh, my name is Nikki Helms. I am 41. I am a postpartum doula and I have two little girls, Nina and Naya, who are eight and two. And they were both born to me um, by a C-section and, and hoped for a natural birth, but that yeah. was not the way that it worked out. Right. But I've got my two little girls. Oh, I'm, I'm so happy. jealous. So you got to give me some vibes or something. <laughs> you know, you got to pass it on my way here, even though the gender's already been determined. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, that's great. Thank you for being on our show today. And then Dr. Dr. Park, do you have any kids? I do. His name is Asher. He Ooh. is actually nine months old. <gasps> oh, my goodness. You're a new mama, too. I am. I am. And uh, I joined the clubs with you ladies for need for a C-section. Ah. And I actually conceived him doing IVF. So oh, I know okay. my territory very well. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was a patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. I think that's a great perspective to have oh, if absolutely. you're talking to patients, too. Absolutely. Well, great. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you, ladies, for being here. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Before we get started, here's a look at a popular pregnancy headline on the internet. All of our headlines are posted to our Preggy Pals Pinterest board if you want to check them out. Okay, so here's the story. So there was a father in Iowa. He was pulled over for speeding while his wife actually delivered a baby in the passenger seat of their SUV. And he actually admitted that he did not plan to stop, um, but there was a red light and the traffic basically forced him to stop. And this poor police officer stops this car and the guy's like shouting, my wife's going to have a baby, my wife's going to have a baby. And I think the, the police officer actually helped deliver this baby. I think it was kind of coming out as he was stopping the car. So, um, and I know with a lot of people, this is kind of the, I don't know, something that, you know, you, you have nightmares about as a pregnant woman. Am I going to make it to the hospital on time? We actually did an episode recently on precipitous labor. And this does happen to some people, right? And of course, when it does, it makes the headlines. So what would you guys do um, if you were in the car, if you were, you know, on your way to the hospital and a police officer is going to pull you over for speeding? Do you just go? I mean, in this case, he had to stop because there was traffic. But, you know, I mean, what would you do? Nikki, any thoughts on it? Well, the last time I was in labor, my husband and my mother-in-law were on their way to the hospital. And I laugh because I know that if my husband was driving, he would have just barreled down the shoulder <laughs> and it wouldn't have made any difference. Right. My mother-in-law, however, was following the traffic laws and she right. was being, you know, three car lengths behind the car in front of her and it drove him batty. So I'm sure <laughs> that we would just barrel down the, down the shoulder and just tell them that they'd have to give us a ticket at the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I think it pro for me, it probably would depend on who was driving me. If it was my husband, um, I think same thing. We just would have barreled through and we would have dealt with whatever repercussions. My father is an insurance agent. <laughs> so I think it's safe to say that he would be like going like whatever the speed limit is, 65 miles an hour or whatever. And he would stop and obey all traffic signs. Um, what, what about you, Dr. Park? What do you think about this? If it was me driving, yeah, I would definitely barrel through the traffic. <laughs> yep. yep. My husband, I don't think he would. <laughs> He'd probably tell me, deliver yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah. Don't you know That's how to right. do this? Exactly. You do this yourself. <laughs> Why are we panicking? We right. have a doctor. Exactly. <laughs> Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah Baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. 
made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hanna quality for your most precious gift. Hanna soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Today on Preggy Pals, we're talking about what happens within the body in order to get pregnant. We know that many of our listeners are trying to become pregnant, and we hope this episode sheds some light on the process. And our expert, as you have already heard from, is Dr. Susanna Park. She's a fertility doctor with the San Diego Fertility Center. So welcome to the show, Dr. Park. Thank you for Welcome back me. to the show. Yes. You were on an episode about um, genetic testing and counseling right. and all of that. Right. So you guys be sure to check that out. Okay, so let's kind of dive into this. Um, getting pregnant naturally is all about timing. So let's talk a little bit about a woman's ovulation cycle and how it works. Okay. So it's pretty amazing, the whole process of becoming pregnant. And it's amazing how many people actually can become pregnant. Mm. So the first step in ovulating is you need an egg. Okay. So what happens is every month when you start your menstrual cycle, your body goes into its supply of eggs and pulls out a group of eggs. And that group of eggs, it has a name called antral follicles. Okay. And within that group of eggs, there's a competition of which there is one winner. And the, the eggs who don't become winners, the losers, undergo cell death. So they die every month. Okay, so every month you lose multiple eggs. And is that what we see as our period? Uh, Nope. No. You don't even notice that you've lost it. Oh, okay. So it's a very common myth that patients think, oh, I only lose one egg a month. You only ovulate one egg a month, but you lose multiple eggs a month. Yep. Nikki, did you know that? I did not know that. I just thought there was one egg. Now, I'm curious on how an egg is selected out of this group. Right. So the the champion is the egg that has what there's a hormone called FSH and LH that are secreted by your brain. So the egg with the highest content of FSH receptors becomes the winner because that's one that that gets the most FSH hormone and it becomes the biggest egg. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. So it really is kind of survival of the fittest. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. And then that one egg is the one that continues to grow and get bigger. And as it gets bigger, it secretes estrogen. So then your estrogen level in your body starts to rise. And then it reaches a point where it's high enough that it automatically signals your brain to secrete LH in a much higher concentration. And that spike in LH from your brain is a signal to your ovary to release that mature egg and ovulate. Okay. And about what time in our cycle does this typically happen? So it's different for every woman. So let's talk about the typical 28-day cycle, okay. right? And so uh, that's very confusing for a lot of women. Right. So the, the, there's actually a mathematical way to calculate when you ovulate, but it requires keeping a menstrual diary, okay? So the first day of full flow, not spotting, is what we call day one. Okay. And then everything you just march out, day two, three, four, even when your period ends, you just keep counting on the calendar. Okay. And then when you get your period again, that's that's the last day of your cycle. So let's say it was day one to 28 days when you got your next period. That means you have a 28-day menstrual cycle. And then you subtract 14 from that number. Okay. So... 28 minus 14 is 14. So then you know that you tend to ovulate on day 14. So if your cycle is, let's say, um, 39 days, so 39 minus 14 is 25? Yeah, I think so. Is that right? So then 
Right. So then you you ovulate on day 25 of your cycle. Right. So the longer your cycle, the later you ovulate. Because what changes in the menstrual cycle is the time from when you get your period to how long it takes your egg to be ready to ovulate. Once you ovulate, though, from that time to when you get your next period is pretty much set. This information is so important because it helps you time, right? So let's say, we'll go back to the standard 20-day cycle. So let's say you ovulate day 14. So the ideal way to time it without using any paraphernalia, okay, is say, okay, so ovulate day 14, but, you know, you could be off by a day or so. So start having sex every other day a few days before. So, for example, you'll start having sex on day 10, then 12, then 14, then 16. Okay. And then you've pretty much covered your base because sperm can live in your body for about two to four days. Okay. Okay, so even if you're off by a day, it doesn't matter. So let's say you ovulated day 13, but you didn't have sex day 13 because you had sex day 12 and then day 14. That's okay because that sperm from day 13 is still hovering around in your body. The egg. Mm Mm-hmm. After its release, like what, what is the sweet spot for it being in the right area at the right time to have sex? What's the time frame right. there? So the egg, once released, has to be fertilized within 24 hours. Okay. Ooh, that is a very narrow window. Mm-hmm. Exactly, right? Exactly. It's a wonder why we get pregnant. Right. <laughs> but sperm lives in your fallopian tubes for two to four days. So if you're going to err, err on the side of having more sex than not enough sex, right? So, so that the sperm is in your fallopian tube okay. and it hangs out there for a couple of days. So when you ovulate, even though you didn't get the timing just right, right. at least the sperm is still around. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. And then the other thing is sometimes I have patients and they have sex and they're not getting pregnant because they've been having sex every day in the cycle and that's not good. Okay. Because you need that sperm to be fit. Right. And fit sperm is sperm that has been ejaculated every two to five days. Okay. So don't have sex every day because so for example, let's say you say, all right, we're going to start having sex day 10, but we're going to do it every day. Well, then by the time you get to day 14, he's run out of sperm. So the quantity is lower. The quality is not as good. But the converse is also true. Sometimes I have couples and they say, well, we didn't have any, any sex. And we're just sort of waiting till day 14 to have sex because we're saving everything up. (laughs) That's also not good because in the sperm he's ejaculating is quote unquote old. It's lazy. It's very (laughs) lazy. It doesn't want to travel. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's exactly right. That's which is why you want to start having sex a few days before you expect your ovulation. So that that sperm's already been ejaculated. Yeah. And so that the sperm you get at the time of your prime ovulation is really like the best sperm. Okay. I want to go back and talk a little bit more about the egg. What is the egg comprised of? It's it's actually a little bit complicated, but it's pretty amazing. So the egg compared to sperm is huge. You have your oocyte. And then around that, you have another layer called the zona pellucida. And then around that, you have another layer called corona radiata. And then around that, you have this really big water and a big membrane, which is really your follicle. So what we use the word follicle and egg interchangeably, but they're really not the same. So if I did an ultrasound, I can see your follicle and ultrasound. It's this really big black circle, as you yes. know, Nikki, right? When you had your treatments, right? Yes, exactly. But you can't really see an egg. You need a microscope. But inside that follicle, within that water structure, lies your little egg. And we know that there's a correlation between 
the diameter of the follicle, the black circle, and the maturity of the egg. So when you ovulate, that little egg comes out of the black fluid, the black circle, and goes out of from your ovary into your fallopian tube. How long does it take for the egg to travel to where it needs to be? Very quick. Okay. Because the egg just needs to be at the very end of a fallopian tube. So the sperm comes to the egg in the fallopian tube. Okay. The egg does not go to the sperm. So the sperm. <laughs> Men that should is come a to metaphor. There you go. <laughs> that is a metaphor for life itself. <laughs> so fertilization, i.e. the sperm and the egg meeting, always happens at the very end of the fallopian tube. We call it the distal end, the end of the tube that's closest to the egg. It does not happen at the beginning of the tube, the side closest to the uterus. Okay. The sperm has to make it all the way to the end of the tube because at the end of the tube, the little tubes have little, um, we call it cilia, little like fingers, yeah. and they swipe over the ovary and in so doing in that motion, that's how it picks up the egg. Okay. And then the sperm should be there so that the sperm and the egg meet right away, but at the very end of that fallopian tube. So there's no sperm there, though. The egg just kind of hangs out at the end of the fallopian tube. That's right. That's right. And after 24 hours, it dies. It's over. Okay. So the timing is off then in that example. Okay. So we talked a little bit about what the egg is. Can you release more than one egg? Yes, you can. And what does the process change if you do release more than one? The process is the exact same. It's just a quantity okay. difference. Okay. But releasing more than one egg happens naturally more often in the very young women and the very old women, i.e. teenagers and women in their 40s are more likely to just spontaneously have twins than women in their 20s or 30s. And that would be fraternal twins, right, if that happens? Usually, correct. Correct. Okay. Can you ovulate more than once in a cycle? No. It's physically impossible. Impossible. But it is possible to not ovulate, which leads to some of the complications that women may have. Exactly. Absolutely. I didn't really understand that just because you get a period doesn't necessarily mean that you've ovulated. Mm -hmm. They are not mutually exclusive. Um, And so what I found out after we had been trying for, I think it was a year and a half to two years, just naturally and timing and trying to figure out doing the math and the day 14 Mm -hmm. and the backing Mm -hmm. up and the timing (laughs) and the calendars. We realized after going to a fertility specialist that um, we went to a reproductive endocrinologist and she told me that I wasn't ovulating regularly. And I had a really hard time processing that because I, ha- I had a period every month. Right. So wh- what what's going on? Little did I know that just because I had a period, the ovulation was not necessarily happening. Mm-hmm. So there are ways that you can check to see if you're ovulating. So one of them, and she probably did this, is if you know you ovulated, a week, because so, some women can feel it, or some women can check it on a kit, which I'll get to in a second. But if you know you've ovulated, then a week later, you can check your blood for a hormone called progesterone. And that progesterone level should rise. And if it rises, then you've confirmed that you have indeed ovulated. But you're right. Sometimes a patient will go for the progesterone, and I look at the number, and I'm just surprised. I'm like, my goodness, it's low. And so I know that when she thinks she's ovulating, she's really not ovulating, and the timing is the problem. Mm -hmm. So how do you get the timing right? Right. So many women know about ovulation kits, okay? Uh, Ovulation kit, what it checks for is a hormone called LH, luteinizing hormone, okay? A pregnancy kit checks for a different hormone called HCG. So LH hormone. So basically what you do is you urinate on a stick, 
Okay, and there are two types on the market. The most common is where you look for the double line. So right. one line is a control, and then your other line should be as dark, if not darker. That tells you, you ovulation is impending. It does not mean you are that ovulating, ovulating that second. Right. So it's the other complaint I get that women say, I told them we have to have sex right there, right there. <laughs> In <laughs> the yeah. store. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not what it means. But it means you should have sex that day because ovulation is going to happen probably within 24 hours. It could be even within 12 hours. So you should be having sex that day. Oh, I see. I didn't know it was that quick. I thought it was like within um, 48 hours. So sometimes I would wait a couple days past that. it's so confusing it's like wait don't wait go stop yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so i tell patients the best thing to do is have sex that day and then just do it again the next day you know just in case you never know what about testing um the like the thermometer test yep so the basal body temperature a lot of people think it helps predict when they're most fertile it doesn't the basal body temperature tells you you ovulated it doesn't tell you you're about to ovulate. So, and the reason, the way it works is when you ovulate, the, the progesterone that I mentioned before that you check in your blood, that progesterone makes your temperature go up in your body. And so what the basal body temperature shows you is your temperature spike. So it shows you you ovulated. It doesn't tell you you're about to ovulate. Oh, so it's oh. almost after the fact. It's after the know. fact. Because I know women that swear by that mm-hmm. test. Yeah. And, but I've always done the ovulation kits, but they swear. I know if you track it, you'll know exactly, but it's really after. After the fact. But you can look at that because you can look at your past cycle and say, oh, okay, my temperature went up on day 17. So you might know for the next month. Exactly. But it's not going to help you that much. No, no, correct. Oh, gosh, this is so enlightening. I had no idea. (laughs) Now that I don't have any more kids to have, I know all all this information. Awesome. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what happens once the egg becomes fertilized. I know we chatted about it just briefly, but I want to get into some, some details. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're learning about how the female body becomes pregnant. And Dr. Susanna Park is here joining us. She is a fertility doctor from the San Diego Fertility Center. She's our special expert. Okay, so Dr. Park, um, I want to talk about sperm. (laughs) Um, What are sperm? And I know there are so many that are released. And Mm -hmm. obviously, that depends on the man and Mm -hmm. probably how often you're having sex, as we mentioned. Um, But what is it comprised of? They look like little tadpole thingamajigs, (laughs) right? What is it? a sperm is composed of two parts, a head and a long tail. And as simple as it is, it's actually very, very important because in the head houses so many important things. Number one, enzymes. And the enzyme is important when the sperm fuses with the egg to break down the membrane of the egg. And inside the sperm is also the male DNA. Okay. And the, the tail is super important because this is what propels the sperm to get to the very end of the tube where it will find the egg. I see. And it's very interesting because if you do a semen analysis, a lot of men think, oh, do I have good sperm? Is my sperm count great? And that's all they want to know. But it's more than that. You want moving sperm because you can have a lot of sperm, but if they're just lazy, doesn't help you getting pregnant. And the third thing, of course, is sperm shape. So surprisingly, a lot of sperm are not normally shaped. And normal, I mean a small head and a long tail. There's a lot of sperm that have the heads too small and the heads too big or double heads. 
Double tails. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Tail I, too I have, short. I have some really weird yeah. visuals in my head. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, sperm is actually very important. Okay. So, and then the question about how many are released in a healthy dosage. I don't know if that's the right word, but how many are typically released? Millions. So typically concentration wise, you want at least 15 million sperm per milliliter of fluid from the ejaculate. Wow. What? Yeah. Yeah. And, and each million. of those could be a child, right? So this is what Absolutely. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around is how any of us were chosen to become a, a baby, a child, because it is survival of the fittest. And in fact, I, I want to mention that there is a video, we're going to link to it on our episode page, but it's from Baby Center and it's a fertilization video. And this is really what prompted me to do this episode because they have a very dramatic way of presenting this about how um, sperm travel through the body and how it fertilizes the egg and then what happens to the egg afterwards. And Honestly, it is, it's just such an amazing process. Um, you just wonder how, how we all made it here, you know? It's, I saw the video, and yeah. it's, I love it. The sound effects were great. <laughs> the visuals were great. But it's really it's accurate. It's like fire. <laughs> it is, it is. So when a man ejaculates, he ejaculates in the vagina, not in the uterus. So all the sperm gets deposited in the top of the vagina, right? So everybody's experience after sex, you get up, water comes out of right. you, right? That water is water that's supposed to come out of you because a lot of the protein is in there. Okay. And if that protein makes it into the uterus, it will cause a lot of cramping. So Mother Nature is so smart. Mm. And she makes sure a lot of that fluid doesn't go inside the uterus. But of course, there's also a lot of sperm in that fluid as well. And then the sperm from the top of the vagina has to find the opening of the uterus by itself. Right. So the first part of the uterus that it hits is the cervix. Okay. So a lot of the sperm has to swim through that cervix, and some of it gets caught in the cervix. And then the sperm has to go through the uterus itself, and some of it gets caught in the uterus. And then the sperm has to go through both fallopian tubes because it doesn't know which side you're ovulating And it on. doesn't have eyes to be able to see Correct. what's going on. <laughs> because I'm picturing Correct. this going... it, it what is it, a sixth sense? Like, how do they know where to go? Right. It's just biology? They just, it's innate? Well, you know men don't have good sense of direction, right? So <laughs> yeah. you can imagine <laughs> how That's many they need 15 million or whatever. <laughs> That's right, you got it. <laughs> so by the time the sperm reaches the end of the fallopian tubes, you're yeah. down to a couple hundred. Okay. So you've actually lost a lot, a lot of sperm along the way. Yeah. Okay. So then, as far as entering the egg, mm-hmm. what propels a sperm to do that? Because it's not necessarily the first one to it, though, right? That's correct. It's not. Okay. That's correct. So, and in that video that you mentioned, it really shows it so nicely. A huge egg. Yeah. Because egg is much, much bigger than a sperm. Right. With all these tiny sperm just surrounding it. And that's really what happens in real life. Yeah. And and this is where sperm shape is essential. The sperm has to be normally shaped to bind to a receptor on the egg. So it's not the first sperm that gets there. It's the sperm that gets there that can bind to the receptor. And then it unfolds a chain of events. So that's a, that's the fittest sperm. Okay. okay. And once it binds to the receptor... The, all the enzymes that were housed in the head of the sperm opens up and breaks down the membrane of the egg, and then the sperm DNA gets released into the egg's DNA. And when that membrane of the egg breaks down, a hard shield forms around the egg. It's called a zona reaction, so no other sperm should <laughs> fertilize the egg. How quickly does that happen? Instantaneously. So egg and sperm have united. What happens within the body during that couple week period before Mm -hmm. we even know we're pregnant? Okay, so 
and the egg is made in the fallopian tube. The egg then goes backwards through the tube to go back into the uterus. And as and it takes about three to four days to make that transit. Okay. And in its transition, the little the embryo, or I think I said egg, I meant embryo. Okay. The embryo as it transitions back into the uterus be- begins to divide. So on day one, it has two cells. On the second day, now it's in the middle of your fallopian tube, it has four cells. On the third day, now it's at the beginning of the fallopian tube, about to enter the uterus. It has eight cells, and now it's entering the uterus. Now it has many, many cells, such that by the time it implants, it's usually about five to six days old, and by then it has a couple hundreds of cells, and then that's when it implants into the uterus and then burrows into the uterus. Okay. And about what day of our cycle would that happen? So at this time, you are about one week after you've ovulated. Okay. And then, so if you wait about another week, you sort of know if you're pregnant or not, because when the embryo burrows, it secretes a hormone called HCG. Okay. And then that's what you pick up on your pregnancy test. Okay. Wow. It's been quite an educational experience, (laughs) huh, Nikki? We're like, wow, it's amazing all that happens. Well, Dr. Park, thank you so much for joining us today. For more information about our expert and our panelists, visit the episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, we'll talk about the accuracy of home pregnancy tests. To learn more about our club, you can visit our website at preggypals.com. We have a question from one of our listeners. This comes from Rachel of New York City. And Rachel says, I have yet to pass stool since having my peanut. I'm assuming you mean your child (laughs) a few days ago. I'm having bad stomach cramps and the urge to go, but nothing. Oh, my gosh, Rachel. I had something very similar happen. And no, it is totally not fun. Rachel says, I'm getting really, really uncomfortable. And I've been eating foods high in fiber Ugh, help. Hi, Rachel. This is Dr. Nicholas Kaptanakis. I'm an OBGYN in San Diego, California, and I got your message, and I think it's a great question. Listen, pregnancy with the progesterone does slow down your intestines, and a common complaint that we do hear is constipation. One of the things that I like to tell my patients is, is, is talk to them about fiber. There are some great fiber cereals, especially, you know, Fiber One or All Brand that provide a tremendous amount of fiber um, just as first thing in the morning. Be careful with oatmeals and granolas and things like that. The fiber content in those are not that high. So start out with a nice shock of uh, fiber in the morning. Um, we'll usually get things going. The other thing I talk about is white products, white food, white rices, white tortillas, white bread, all that has to go. Everything's got to be whole wheat and fiber loaded. If you feel like you have to have a bowel movement, but you can't, you know, you can always do an enema. The enema cleans out like the lower end of the colon. You can always do colase, which is a stool softener. It doesn't necessarily help you go to the bathroom, but it can make the stools offer. And you can always do um, Miralax, which are all safe. The other big thing is water, 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 water. You need to probably be drinking about three liters of water a day, and that should take care of your problems. If not, if you haven't had a bowel movement, definitely in five to seven days, you need to let your OBGYN know. All right, thanks. Have a great day. Bye. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Parent Savers, for parents of newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode 
are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.